your daily dose of sports and fun. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. I'm Mike Hebert, owner of Cantex Roofing and Construction. Every day is game day, and we'll get it right when it comes to your roofing, construction, windows, and mirrors. Call Cantex Roofing and Construction today. Together, we are one serving you. Great to uh, start your day with us today, hopefully. I mean, it's great for us to start our day with you, and hopefully it is great for you to start your day with us, right? Yes. Yeah, right. Uh, And I realize that that is partially on us to make it great for you. So we'll see if we can live up to expectations today. The... um, broadcast of course comes to you from the first united bank studio and uh, we look forward to hearing from you today on the yates flooring center chat line so it's uh, kind of one of those evaluate as you go kind of thing so if you if you feel that we need to pick up the pace you know you can uh, you can say step it up or um you know not so much or doing awesome uh take your foot off the accelerator any of those uh, prompts will be um, will be helpful today as uh, we move along our three hours of radio greatness here today on double t 973 and double t 973.com we uh, had uh, ranger baseball last night for you and they won eight to three uh, over the detroit tigers 48 and 31 of the rangers now the big hit was a ezekiel duran solo home run uh, hit it into the second deck, part of a 12-pitch at bat, Jamie. That's a very nice. Yeah. And uh, helped helped them with that uh, five-run eighth inning as the Rangers go on to win by five runs. It was his 10th home run of the season. He fouled off five pitches after the count was two and two. That's that's working the count, isn't it? That's doing doing good work. Doing good doubt. work, yeah. And then... Um, so it, uh, Bruce Bochy said uh, after the game, oh, man, Let's see if I can get my Bruce Bochy on. Oh, man, that was impressive. It's not quite that. It's not quite that together because he's a little more raspy than that. Um, but he's got a good managerial voice, I think. No, oh, no question. You know, kind of calm demeanor. Mm-hmm. It's got a little got a little bite to it. Got a little hint of sarcasm and it got a little got a little comedy to him mm-hmm. you can see why he's probably been very successful probably a pretty good motivator probably a pretty good you know guy to kind of have conversation with oh you know even those guys that are hitting 091 oh you're not doing that bad you know but here's what you need to do you know as opposed to hitting your head over the pan hitting the pan over your head so to speak <laughs> right brow beating you brow beating you so at any rate uh we'll have uh rangers and the uh, Tigers again tonight. Uh, this is part of a four-game series, kind of a rare four-game series, uh, it seems like. Uh, but when you're playing, you know, team from another division that you only are going to play once, I guess that's going to happen from time to time. Sure. You know, so we'll have it at 6.30, play-by-play uh, tonight just after 7. Astros and the Cardinals uh, again tonight. Uh, 6.15, the broadcast time on 100.7, the score. They're playing in St. Louis. Um, I saw this on social media the other day. Somebody, and they were in, they're from Lubbock and they were in St. Louis and uh, they're staying near the arch. Would you ever go up in the arch? No. Have you been to St. Louis? No. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking I'm with you on that. 
I think it's one of those things that I feel like I'd want to do, <clears throat> but getting in one of those little cars and going to the top seems way too claustrophobic for me. Yeah, not interested. Yeah, I'm I'm interested, but I just don't. I don't think I'd want to do it. Um, but I think that would be. I think that would be pretty cool. Jeff, would you uh, would you go up to the uh, top sure. of the arch? Sure. <laughs> Why wouldn't I want to go see that view? Oh, I know. It, it, uh, I just wish it wasn't quite so cramped. Well, you know, still a cool view. I'd go. Still, yeah. Uh, somebody offers this evaluation. Chuck, that was more Lou Brown than Bruce Bochy. Mm, Lou Brown's a good one. Though. Or a heart attack thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. right, right. Uh, Jeff has been on this bandwagon for quite some time, and I, I, I've... I've feel like that he's kind of helped lead the charge uh, a little bit. And I looked at I looked at this last night after I saw a news report on it. But, uh, man, old Josh Young, he's he's on the verge of making the All-Star game, Jamie, and being a starter. So Fingers crossed. Yeah, I mean, it's what there's just uh, today and tomorrow left uh, for the voting. Um, and this is uh, this is phase two of uh, Major League Baseball All-Star voting. I have a feeling that if I were to stop a a thousand cars out here in front of the Tornado Memorial to Sixth and Avenue Q, and said, "Can you explain the All Star voting to me?" I'm I'm not sure I could get ten people that would be able to do that. I would agree with that. And I don't know, I don't know how you simplify that, or should you simplify that? Uh, it it feels better than the old form of. You know, punching out the computer cards with the Gillette, you know, ballot that the ushers and usherettes would hand out at the at the ball game, and you'd 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 get a whole bunch of them taken home. Then people would have, you know, a, a two by four and nails, and they would put them in specific positions for their favorite players, and do like ten or twenty or thirty at a time, and then send them in. Mm-hmm. Is how people would do that, or take them back to the uh, take them back to the ballpark. It was always fun when they walked to your row, your aisle. Yeah, sure, right. Handed them out. Sure, and you kind of felt like you were participating a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rangers are doing quite well in this, so I, I, it's it's interesting to me. I mean, there's a a number of Rangers. Obviously, they're having very good years, but like Marcus Simeon has 66 percent of the vote at second base. Okay, uh, our guy Josh Young, 59 percent of the vote. At third base, uh, Matt Chapman of the Blue Jays has forty-one percent. Uh, if he if he does this, uh, Josh Young and becomes the starter, he'd be the first Ranger rookie to start an All Star game since the franchise moved to Texas in nineteen seventy-two. Wow, that's some history right there. Yeah, no doubt. You know? I don't imagine there's just a whole lot of rookies that have started the All Star game. Not a ton, but the, uh, there's sure. been a few. Sure, yeah, no doubt. Ichiro did, or yeah. somebody like that. I'd, yeah. Yeah. I'd be surprised if Griffey didn't going yeah. back. Yeah. But again, this is not a normal occurrence. Yeah. Bo uh, Jackson. You know, I'm thinking about you know Fred Lynn back in the day. Okay. Uh, way back in the day, uh, Corey Seager leads. Did he win an MVP in his rookie year? Yeah. Yeah. So that would make sense. Uh, Corey Seager um, for the Rangers, the shortstop, has 60 percent of the vote. Um, the outfield Adolis Garcia is in fifth place. It's uh, Mike Trout leading the way, and and Aaron Judge, who is injured, is in third place. So 
you would think that he's not going to make uh, yeah, an so all-star game appearance. That's good news. Yeah. Good news for Garcia, who's mm-hmm. having a monster season. Uh, Jonah Heim leads it at catcher um, at 54%. So, I mean, you can have a number of number of Rangers that not only appear in the all-star game, but start uh, in the all-star game. It's like they've had a good year or something. Well, right, right. No, no <laughs> doubt. No doubt. I mean, I, I would say... I would say they've had a great year. I would say if you're going to term things, if you're going to say, you know, first, you know, five, six months of the season, going back to February, if you were to say, if we were to go back and listen to a show on February, the whatever today is, 28th, and say, hey, uh, what was your kind of your take on the Rangers? Man, if they could just contend, we'd be happy, Right. Yeah, probably something close to that. You know, if they could just contend or be in the hunt. Be mm-hmm. in the hunt in August, I think, was part of our discussion. Yeah, I think we would definitely say it's been a great first half. Yeah. And I don't think you can use the word year. No. First half. Yeah, first half. Yeah. And now I would think you would say on June the 28th, if they don't make the playoffs, it's a disappointment. Yeah, no question. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. June the 28th, 2023. Two more shopping days left in the month of June, and then it'll be July, or some will say July. And the end of the month, this month, will occur on a Friday, which is rare. So you get to start your month on Saturday with the uh, 1st of July. All right, here is this day in sports history with Jeff McGuire. Did that not make sense to you, Jeff? Don't ask. I didn't. Just don't ask. I didn't. Mm -hmm. 1923. The Dodgers go into the bottom of the ninth, leading seven to nothing mm. over oh, the Phillies. They would lose as the Phillies score eight in a walk-off win against the Dodgers. It's a tough deal. Sorry about you. <laughs> Probably so. Probably a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you they gave up some free passes. And mm-hmm. Maybe kicked a ball or two or something. Mm-hmm. 1971, U.S. Supreme Court rules 8-0. They overturn a the draft ev- evasion conviction of Muhammad Ali. That's a tough one. It's a real, real tough one. 1987, Boston outfielder Don Baylor sets a Major League Baseball career hit-by-pitch mark <laughs> at 244 when plunked by Rick Roden in the Boston Red uh, in, in in the Red Sox. 6-2 win over the Yankees. Well, that dude was as tough as they come. Don Baylor. He was no not doubt. moving out of the way of he baseball. He was not. Mm-mm. 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 Yep. 1992. Stance 1992. U.S. Dream Team beats Cuba in their first exhibition basketball game. Squeaker. You know, for the way that team played, this might have been. It was 133-57. to 57. Yeah. Fair. 2000 NBA draft, Cincinnati. Power forward Kenyon Martin is the first pick by the New Jersey Nets. God, what happened to that guy? He went to the Nets. He just disappeared, right? Kind of mm-hmm. That's what happens there. Yeah. Uh, in 2012. Remember, he broke his leg in, right. Uh, right before the tournament. Yeah, and that was a Bob Huggins coach Cincinnati, Cincinnati team. team. Mm-hmm. That was really the first time that Nick- an injured player cost a team seeding in the tournament. I remember the debate. I was thinking that they still got a high seed, but they didn't. They would have yeah. gotten a one seed probably, or they would. And they didn't. And they did not. Okay. Yeah, 
not a bad deal. And in 2012 in the NBA draft, Kentucky center Anthony Davis is the first pick by the New Orleans Pelicans. It is National Tapioca Day. Out. Jamie? Oh, good gosh, no. Yeah, good gosh, no. <laughs> it looks like baby food to me. Huge birthday today. Huge? Um, He might not be the first name you think of when you think of Texas Tech baseball. Mm-hmm. But he's probably the second, if not the first. Happy birthday, Hall of Fame college baseball coach Larry Hayes turns oh. 79 today. And he's still coaching. Yeah, I'm trying to answer Jeff's question. If you said Texas Tech baseball, and obviously we're all prisoners of the moment. Sure. And so Tim Tadlock and Josh Young and Eric Gutierrez mm-hmm. pop into your mind, but there's three or four players and Larry Hayes before the Tadlock era that you would have to include in that mix too. So I don't know which one would say pop into your mind first, but he definitely deserves to be in the conversation of mind popped into. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Happy birthday to Elon Musk. Who's 52. (coughs) Don't block me on Twitter. Kathy Bates is 75. Mel Brooks is 97. Bradley Beal is 30. John Cusack is 57. John Elway, 62. Kelly Pickler is 37. And Mark Grace is 59. Mm. 59, Mark Grace. Wow. That's surprising. That is surprising. 59? Almost positive. Now I got to look. What I wrote he can't down. be 60. Hey, I mean, it makes sense. This was the, I mean, it was early 90s. Figure 30 then. It's been about 30 years now. That's crazy how. Yeah. I'm going to stick with it. Yep. I'm, gonna tr- I'm not going to look. I'm going to trust him. Okay. No, uh, you're I'm, right. You're right. He's, fi- uh, He's 59. He's born in 64. Yeah. What's that? And on this <sighs> day. It makes in- me feel old. I know. Right. <laughs> On this day in 2007, one of the greatest achievements in United States history took place. Mm. They remove one of its most commonly used national symbols from the list of endangered and threatened wildlife. The eagle? The delisting of the bald eagle, which had been close to vanishing from North America around the middle of the 20th century, was one of the most notable wildlife rehabilitation efforts in American history. The overall population in the lower 48 states estimated to have been around 400,000 in in the 1700s had declined to fewer than 1,000 by 1950. As of 2020, the bald eagle population climbed to an estimated 316,700 individual bald eagles, including 71,400 nesting pairs. This estimate indicates that the bald eagle population has quadrupled since the last set of data was collected in 2009. Mm, that's goodness. It's amazing what happens when you get rid of some bad chemicals and make it completely illegal to have anything of eagle-related material on you. You find an eagle feather, you got to turn it into the Wildlife Association. Right, yeah. And that is this day in sports history. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
you can't have an eagle feather because it, it even that is considered poaching and you're for the bald eagle how would i even know that it was an eagle feather if i found it yeah okay know. now explain the elon musk joke to me people make this joke all the time uh he is in the owner of twitter now and he is pretty quick on the getting rid of people off of twitter hammer okay I'm probably in danger. I need to be careful, Chuck. Yeah, yeah you tweet way too much. I'm surprised. You, I, you've probably flagged several times. <laughs> 6.52 this morning on the morning drive. That is uh, the state in sports history. Going back to Rick Roden, uh, Robert had, had wanted to know what he was known for other than pitching he, golf. He's he's a really, really good senior golfer <clears throat> and um, has uh, – has qualified for the U.S. Senior Open, and he's been one of these guys that's played on the the Celebrity Players Tour. Uh, but the thing about Rick Roden that's that's sneaky about him, he won 151 ball games. So I mean, it's a de- it, decent amount in his in his time period. He went 151 and 125, an ERA of 3.59, struck out 1,419, uh, had 1,419 strikeouts. So in his era, 151 wins is good. Not, it's not great. It's probably a, above average. Um, but like in in today's era, if you got to 151 wins, that might be considered very good. Given sometimes how how long sure. these guys are or aren't pitching, mm-hmm. uh, especially the fact that he he went 151 and 125. That's 276 starts. I mean, you're, it, most most players in today's era are not going to have pitchers 276 starts in their career. Mm-hmm. He um, he played on some really good Dodger teams, but they went up against really good Yankee teams. He was on two Dodger World Series teams that lost to the Yankees, and then just missed out on the Pirates because he joined them the year after they won the World Series, and then he joined the Yankees in the time period where they weren't really very good 87 88 no they were terrible <laughs> terrible and then a bad astros team so i mean it's not like he played he played on some great dodger teams but then he played on uh he played on some teams that weren't uh weren't very good anyway there you go uh this uh we even have one or two bald eagles around here in the winters out near uh, buffalo springs lake how about that oh that's cool yeah uh, somebody says Kenyon Martin's son plays for the Rockets now. Okay. Didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Didn't Did know not that. either. Yeah. Didn't know that. Is this tech sports or goofball environmentalist show? I think it's just goofball show. <laughs> I mean, you don't even have to throw in the environmentalist aspect of it. Goofball show. Did you, is this your first time to listen? Yeah. Thanks for thanks for joining us. <laughs> Welcome to the club. The Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3 is presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Hey, good morning. It is the Morning Drive on Lubbock Sports Station, Double T 97.3 and Double T 97.3.com. With Jamie Lent and Jeff McGuire, I'm Chuck Hines. Our pleasure to have you with us this morning on the Morning Drive. Take your thoughts and comments on the Yates Flooring Center chat line. Go to DoubleT973.com for that or the mobile app. Also, the Visual Tech IT hotline is on, is open. It's on, too. It's open at 806-771-0973. So if you'd uh, like to give us a ring 
uh, we are uh, right here, willing and able and at the ready uh, to take your your thoughts and comments this morning. We'll have Ranger Baseball on the air for you tonight. Uh, play-by-play about 12 hours from now. We'll begin our coverage at uh, 6.30 this evening. Rangers with a win last night over the Detroit Tigers. They'll play those two Play that team again tonight and then tomorrow afternoon as well. Uh, tomorrow's a Thursday getaway day uh, for uh, the Tigers. Uh, the Rangers will stay at home. Well, this weekend they'll uh, entertain the Houston Astros. Hey, perhaps, 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 uh, Jamie, you can win the Silver Spurs this year against the Houston Astros. Maybe so. You know? Um, Maybe so. I don't know if the Astros are going to have to find them or not, but... Uh, because they've kind of had, they've had a pretty good lock on them for the last few years. Well, maybe so. <clears throat> but um, we'll, to, we'll uh, get those things. Maybe not that it's like just hugely important. I don't think it's hugely important at all. Yeah, <laughs> just kind of a. But that is your rival, and you like to beat them more than you lose up, to made them. Made up so. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So we'll do that. Uh, we'll have uh, Astros on the air tonight. They lost to the Cardinals last night in St. Louis, and we'll have uh, coverage for you tonight at 6.15 on 100.7 score. Um, Astros will play tomorrow night and then travel to Texas, uh, to uh, back home to Texas, I should say, to take on the Rangers this weekend. So we'll have a Ranger version and an Astro version of baseball all weekend long, Friday night, Saturday afternoon, and Sunday afternoon as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking forward to that. Uh, the National Letter of Intent, okay? That's where people actually sign things, okay? And then they their their intent is to come play for you, all right? It's a scholarship, non-binding, I guess, offer, right? It's kind of how that... It's binding. It seems like it's binding on one side, but maybe not so binding on the other. Um... I mean, I guess people pull scholarship offers mm-hmm. at some point, mm-hmm. but I guess if you're signed, they're not usually pulled unless there's an issue. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're making some, some changes uh, to this. This has uh, been instituted for almost 60 years. Uh, the Collegiate Commissioners Association oversees this. So these changes will go into effect for the 2024-25 recruiting period um there will be no national letter of intent penalty if the signee requests their release as a result of a head coaching change that seems like a no-brainer right yep. seems fair seems fair there'll be no national even though a lot of times it's the assistant coach or whatever mm-hmm. that recruited them and their player co- their their position coach mm-hmm. you know that they're really going to be playing for but that's fine i'm good with that no national letter of intent penalty if the signee completes at least one academic semester or quarter at the institution of their choice. Okay. No penalty? No penalty. So I'm guessing if you come in, let's say you come in at J- in January, or you're, you forgo the rest of your senior year, or even you know your, your freshman year, you leave in December. There's no... There's no penalty. <laughs> Doesn't seem well, like much of a commitment, well, does it? Well, there's not a penalty now either. Right? Because of the, the free transfer portal? Yeah. 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 So I guess that's just kind of cleaning up some language. 
Uh, additionally, four-year transfers will be able to sign a national letter of intent after entering the transfer portal. This is not a requirement to transfer. Signing a national letter of intent would trigger a recruiting ban, meaning other schools would not be allowed to make contact once the player has signed with an institution. Now, that makes some sense, right? Tell me what it means. Okay. So let's say let's say you you're transferring after four years, okay? And you sign you now you sign a letter of intent once you enter the transfer portal, so that keeps school B from going after a player that school A has already signed. In other words, it keeps the oh the the bigger school now has decided they want to recruit this kid and the kid now so that you can't they can't do that they can't contact the kid. Okay. Okay. So once you've signed, you, now you're now you're signed. Um. So that's that's uh, that's all that's all part of the that's all part of the deal. Um, the changes to the high school recruiting process are now in line with how the NCAA deals with the transfer portal. Well, in 2021, uh, there were new mandates that allowed athletes to enter the portal and transfer to a new institution without seeking a waiver for immediate eligibility. Athletes are also allowed to seek a waiver for immediate eligibility at a new school following a coaching change, regardless of how many times they've pat- transferred in the past. It's it's becoming, I guess, less and less of a, of a commitment, probably by either side, because there have been times where it was just a, your scholarship was not a four-year guaranteed ride. It was a year-to-year stamp of approval. By and, the school, yeah, and I think it's still that way, isn't it? Yeah, to, yeah, and 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 so now the student athlete has a little more power in terms of being able to move freely about the country, which makes it so. I, I mean, confusing. I, I'm confused why you say now. Well, I mean today. I mean yeah. in the past. I like mean, it did, nothing's changed <clears throat> over the. I mean, from what we've seen over the last three or four years, that's the way it is. Yeah. And the whole, well, you can only transfer one thing is just a shamakery mm-hmm. complete. It is. And they're transferring all over the place a second and third time. It's hard to keep track. It, it's hard to care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like when you go back uh, for your uh, alumni day, which, which yeah. school do you go to? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't care. Yeah. Okay. I, I, zero. I, I don't care. I care about our teams, and so mm-hmm. when it's time for our team to play, I'll you know you're there and you're rooting for it. But caring in the off season about who's moving around and all that, just like just let me know when the smoke clears. Gives you a bit of the tired head. Um, no, not anymore. Just gives me the I don't care head. Mm, that's too bad. I mean, and and do you think that uh, do you think that lessens the passion? For uh, for college sports, uh, in specific sports, it does for me. I, I, I think in I mean we're speaking specifically about one um, men's basketball. It does for me because it it's just again uh, whatever Coach McCaslin has put together this year, I expect it doesn't look anything like that next year. Okay, and but I, I mean I don't feel like football and baseball like. 80% of your roster is changing every year mm-hmm. like it is in, in men's basketball. Mm-hmm. 
So it's a different it's a different feeling. They 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 make some tweaks, whereas basketball has become we're going to change almost the entire thing yeah, every it's a single com- almost year. A, almost a complete flip, no yeah. no question. All right, seven ten this morning on Lubbock Sports Station Double T ninety seven three. Your thought, your comment, Yates Flooring Center chat line, presented by Happy State Bank. We'll. Uh, hear from you throughout the morning today your daily dose of sports and fun this is the morning drive podcast from double t 97.3 presented by cantex roofing and construction jamie's question of the day on double t 97.3 is presented by bizarre solutions call them today for a free cybersecurity audit 731 this morning here on the morning drive Jamie's question of the day, but first, uh, we got this from Syntex Hank, who says, listening to the morning drive is often like watching NASCAR. You keep waiting for the big wreck. It's addictive. <laughs> I don't know if we've had any big wrecks yet today, but, you know, stand by. All right, your question of the day, sir. All right, we're going to go with the Red Raider football here today, mm-hmm. and your answer cannot be, I want the offensive line to be better. Okay. Uh, tell me something you'd like to see different. From last year to this year, mm. something changed that you'd like to see from last year to this year. Something you hope is different. I would say a better performance on second down. I don't have specific stats, but if you're if you're better on second down, um, that sets up maybe third and short. That puts you in less of a position that you have to play for fourth down going for it which means your play on third down might be compromised or might not be quite what you want to do because you're setting yourself up for a fourth down play so that it's not fourth and long it might be fourth and five but I think if you were better on first or second down maybe even second down specifically offensively then that would make your offense flow better okay I'm gonna flip it although what I want to change is not something I'm upset with I would like them not to be in that situation or get themselves into that situation. It felt, it feels like to me that last year's defense gave up a lot of longer drives, not necessarily like play-wise, but yardage-wise. But when they got down to the go- end of the red zone, they locked it down. It was they were, they were stopping more touchdowns in the red zone than I feel like they did in the rest of the field. Like, they were forcing more th- uh threes instead of touchdowns at, at that point. I would like them to have that kind of intensity and success before the red zone. If, okay. if that makes sense. It, and I could be wrong in that. So like, you were playing a bend but not break defense. Is that what you're saying? And Or you're they, just giving a were, big play. I actually, I actually like what Jeff said there because I think he's right. I think, what, I think especially in some of those games early on uh, like against Houston and then the, the games in, that she played in overtime against Texas and Oklahoma. Um, that when you needed big plays inside the 20, you were able to make them. And I don't want that to stop. Mm -hmm. I just don't want them to have to do it all the time. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go with you lost games last year, so I'd like to see you not lose games. (laughs) (laughs) Did you think that up all night? Did you stay up all night thinking Uh, that that answer? I just came up with that when Jeff was talking, actually. Uh, No, I'm just going to go healthier across the board. It felt like, I mean, especially on the offensive side of the ball, your quarterback position, uh, your running back position mm-hmm. this time because of injuries, obviously a bunch along the offensive line. And then your wide receivers, you never really were able to 
solidify really like your go-to guy because it felt like there were so many guys like Miles Price and Look Fungi that you know just didn't that were banged up and maybe were playing you know not at one hundred percent and it felt like that that absolutely a, a you know slowed down your passing game because you just didn't have that chemistry and all that good stuff so I just think health across the board you were you've had some bad luck over the last few years. Health-wise, I think everybody focuses on the quarterback position, but I think it's been really a bunch of different positions. Yeah, no, I th- I, I can uh, agree with what you're putting down there. I think very much so. Uh, you want to be healthier. Uh, we we get this from the Yates Flooring Center chat line, a better vertical passing game and more mm-hmm. use of tight ends. Yeah, okay. no, I agree with both those. Yeah. And I, I think you'll see. You got to stop the horizontal passing game. That one's not a, that one. We're not as good at. <laughs> um, well, I mean, you got to block better. <laughs> From our conversation last year, you're going to throw it down the field. You got to block better. Which is, I mean, that's part of what they had to use the tight ends for is to help block. Um, and so as a result, they weren't releasing those guys to to get them the ball. Clint and I had this conversation. I don't know a couple weeks ago. Um. Now I'm trying to remember back to the numbers. So you had 30 catches combined from your three tight ends last year. Mm-hmm. I believe that's the number. And it was like for 250-something yards. And I, I'm here to tell you I don't, I don't know that it will be any better this year. You think I'm wrong? You think that you'll have better production out of the tight ends? I, I think so. I mean, that would be my initial kind of – Reaction to that, that I think that they would. And why? And why? Um, I think wow, be, Texas I think, Tech's website changed. They did. Yeah. Noticed that this morning. Yes. Yeah. Big change. Good for them. Looks good. Why will it change? Why will it change? I just, I just think that uh, they'll they'll use them more because the offensive line will be better, and I think you know guys like Mason Tharp and. Others will have an op- more of an opportunity. What were you saying? You guys said three receptions last year? Uh, 30. Oh, 30. Okay, I'm sorry. Three different tight ends? Three different tight ends. Okay. I think they com- combined for 30 catches. Combined for 30 catches. Okay. Yes, 12, 12, and 6. 12, 12, and 6. Uh, for 293 yards. 293 yards. Okay. Well, and I can't remember exactly. I went back and looked. Um, and here's part of my point, okay? What has been a criticism of Tyler Shuck as a quarterback? Health. Okay. Taking care of the football? No. no. He does a okay. pretty good job taking okay. care of the football. No. Um, as he doesn't throw the ball over the middle of the field. Okay. Okay? And so the numbers bore out in the five games. I'm trying to remember here. He was 82 of 138, three interceptions, uh, completed 59% of his passes. In the games that Tyler Shuck started Mm -hmm. or through the majority of the passes, you averaged two completions a game to your tight ends. Okay? All right? In the games that other guys started, Mm -hmm. the number was like almost six or something to that effect. Okay. Okay? So... Where do tight ends live? Chuck, where do they live? 
Where in the middle they? of the field. Okay, in the middle of the field, right. And where does Tyler Shuck not throw? In the middle of the field. Okay. Two plus two equals four. You're right. Okay. Yeah. So that's why I'm I'm here to tell you I don't I'm not sitting here today and guaranteeing your tight ends. Um I don't care how talented I think Baylor Cup is or how much how exciting you think Mason Tharp is because he's six mm-hmm. nine mm-hmm. plays football. And you've you've gotta have a different mentality there. And and hopefully if you have more time with an offensive line that comes, but I think it's typical with all quarterbacks. You see it, and you see it with certain quarterbacks. They like throwing this pass better. They like throwing this route better. Mm-hmm. They like throwing to this side of the field better. They all have an area where it's comfortable to them, and they all have an area where it's not comfortable to them. Okay, and uh, Nick Shimanek was the same way. Remember, we could that dude never threw the ball over the middle, never. My okay? favorite Nick Shimanek story is when. They called a play specifically to throw across the middle, and then like the DB fell, so the guy on the outside was just flat out wide open, and he hit him on it. And Cliff was like, "I can't even be mad." He ran for a touchdown, but that was designed to yeah, be. Yeah, that's the, the winning middle. play against Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The defensive back fell down, and he completed the pass to the outside. Yeah, yeah, that was the winning play in Austin, in the game that McLean Carter had started. <clears throat> but it, that's it's just not what Tyler Shuck does. And so if you want bigger numbers from your tight end, you have to have a quarterback that kind of believes in using the tight ends okay. and using that part of the field. Uh, this uh, from the Yates Flooring Center chat line, I'm with Jamie. I don't think Kitley is really used to using tight ends. It might be 50 instead of 30, but I'm not expecting any of them to be used a ton. Uh, good. Again, the numbers when – Baron Morton and Donovan Smith were the quarterback yeah. were much higher for the tight ends than when Tyler Shuck was yeah. the quarterback. Much higher. Like like three times more per game. Well, that's a great point. Uh, this, I'd like to see better third down efficiency. I love McGuire's aggressiveness on fourth, but let's not get to that point every drive. Okay. Uh, this person says, I would like to see the tight ends used more in the red zone. May not have more yards, but more touchdown receptions. Mm, I'd be fine with that, too. Yeah. The Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3 is presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. I think it's pretty well documented that maybe we're all a little disturbed. Um, Crazy might be too much for some, but might be spot on for others. But Jeff's got a thought, and we'll see if he's right or wrong here with his opinion. Okay, so from time to time, we do bold statements Mm -hmm. on Fridays, and... What is one of my famous bold statements? Uh, that a no-hitter will be thrown this weekend. Well, do you know when the last no-hitter was thrown by a single pitcher in a game? S- sometime last year. May 10th of last year. Okay. There were two combined no-hitters last year that the Astros threw. One of them was in the playoffs. But um, do you know how many complete games there have been this year in baseball? I'm going to say one. More than one. Uh, Nathan Avaldi has two. Okay. There are six, 15 others that have thrown one. So you, 16 complete games this year. The last perfect game, you know how far back that goes? Uh, I'm going to say it's within the last five years. Incorrect. 2012 with Felix Hernandez oh. is the last perfect game. Now, perfect games are hard. <clears throat> No argument. There's a reason that they are as rare as they are. 27 up, 27 down, one, one pitcher. 
But here's where I need you to tell me I'm wrong. With modern baseball's rules of the pitch clock and the use of analytics, the no-hitter is dead. Pitch clock speeds up the pitcher. He doesn't have the 10 seconds between pitch to break that he or the extra 10 seconds to catch his breath so he's getting tireder. You're going to your bullpen faster. You're getting through them faster, but you're getting to them faster like in a time frame that there's no reason to have a pitcher go nine innings anymore, which means they're not throwing a single no-hitter anymore. And if a, in order to go further in a game like that now, don't you think the perfect game has to be on the line? Or you bring in your bullpen guys that you're paying an awful lot of money to to get those final six outs. I'm going to say that uh, while I agree with some of the stuff that Jeff is saying, for example, that it makes it more difficult on the pitcher um, with the pitch clock, I don't think that's a massive, massive factor, but I do think it does make it a little bit more difficult. But I'm going to say that you're wrong. I don't don't think the no-hitter is dead. I think we'll, we'll, we'll still see no hitters. In fact, I think we'll see one before the All-Star break. I, I I just don't I don't believe in absolutes. I'll buy a lot of what you're selling there. I mean, I'll... <laughs> what? You don't believe in absolutes. I, I mean, you it... make those statements all the time. <laughs> I don't believe in absolutes. No, you make absolute statements all the time. I know, but I mean, there are some things that I mean that what. That's an absolute, like, will never, ever happen again. That The, the no-hitter is dead, okay? Yeah. That's a, that, that's a permanent absolute. Will we have less? Maybe. Maybe I could buy into mm-hmm. that. But it's dead? Nah, I don't think so. Yeah, so I, I'm not, I'm, like I said, I'm buying a lot of what you're selling there. It makes, what, a lot of what you said makes sense. Yeah, agreed. Um, and I think, that, I think it's well thought out. Um. It surprises me that it's been since 2012 that there was a perfect game. That didn't surprise me as much as the last no-hitter was for an individual. Let me make this clear. I'm not talking about combined. Sure. The last individual no-hitter was a year and a month ago. That seems a little. That seems a long time between no-hitters. Yeah. You know, because yep. sometimes you have that, that obscure guy that just for whatever reason... Yeah, one guy goes out know, and decides today nobody gets a hit. Jeff Smith, the number five, you know, you know, starter for, you know, the Arizona Diamondbacks on an obscure Tuesday night in Seattle throws the game of his life. Mm-hmm. You know, you have those. I mean, there's, there's plenty of guys that, you know, the no-hitter list is littered with that. It's, it's like, okay, so let me ask you this. Using your same rationale... Would you then say that uh, hitting for the cycle is dead? No. How would that compare? Because well, the hitter doesn't have as much time to sure in between pitches, and and because yeah, you if, don't have your, if, and, and because you don't have your starter going as long, you have more different pitchers. Yeah, that makes it difficult. That that that's fair. But if we're worried about the guy not having as much time when he's standing up there in the batter's box. He needs to do some conditioning. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, there's probably plenty of guys that can do some conditioning, but I think the, the changing out the pitcher makes it more difficult for the for the guy to get. And that's the reason why I think it's likely that you'll see no hitters because you're not seeing the same guy as many times. Makes it more difficult on the hitters. Mm-hmm. 
So because you, you'd say you're going to get com- more combined no combined hitters, no hitters yeah. less oh, yeah. individual. Combined, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not talking about the no hitter when it's combined. I think those are going to go up. Mm-hmm. I, I'm surprised we haven't had one already this year. To be completely frank about yeah. this type of conversation, that you haven't had somebody go three innings, no hit, bring in a reliever, he goes a couple, mm-hmm. and just that kind of just pile on. The Astros have become were really good at it for a while, doing that kind of combined no hitter. But the individual, I think it would take a guy throwing a perfect game in that type of situation where his that kind of history being on the line to risk your starter that you need to be pitching again in five days to have that kind of a day. Well, yeah, I think that the numbers will 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 show that no hitters and perfect games will go down. I just don't think either one of them are dead. All right, uh, eight twenty one. That's a, that was really that was well thought out. You're you uh, always take the time that with the tell me I'm wrong to have some substance with it. What? Just playing. like substance. Well, there's meat on the bone. There's meat. Mm -hmm. I know, I know, I know, I know. And Uh, if if you're going to tell me I'm wrong, mm -hmm. I don't want it just to be something crazy. Sure. That you, that I bring some good points that make you think. If I just say something completely out there like Texas Tech is going to go undefeated this year, tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. You're not. You're not right. You're, <laughs> they're winning it all. They're winning, oh, they're winning it all. They're going undefeated. In all sports, right? Every single one. Okay. Uh, a couple people point out that uh, the Reds had a player just hit for the cycle. So I, De La Cruz. Yeah. Man, he's fun to watch. Okay. And, you know, think of, speaking of the Reds, man, they they have got it figured out right now. They are on fire. They are. They are on fire. Um, so anyway, so, I mean, you think about teams that have kind of resurrected themselves, especially two that are playing much better than they have in recent years, uh, Baltimore and Cincinnati, and then you include the Rangers in that bunch as well. And the Angels. And the Angels, too. It looks like they're finally mm-hmm. getting a little um, something for their – their pay to all their players. Maybe. I mean, helps when Shohei Otani is doing and Shohei Otani. healthy. Yeah. Try yeah. being yeah. healthy is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the rest of your ballot look like? Okay, so the rest of my ballot, I, I voted for Simeon Rice, the linebacker from Illinois. Okay. And I voted for Alex Smith, the quarterback from Utah. He had really good numbers for them. I think he was a junior college guy, right? He, Alex Smith, so he, he only played a couple he years. He played uh, 02 to 04, so... Three yeah. years for them. Let me yeah. uh, get you his his numbers. Am I and thinking then, of somebody different? Then Terrell Suggs, I voted for him as okay. well. Yeah. All seem like great players. Okay. Uh, somebody off the chat line brings up Bam Morris. Should he be on this list in comparison to a guy like Garrison Hurst? What do you think about that? He was terrific as a college player. There's no question about it. Yeah, it, I think you could. I think you could make a case. Uh, Alex Smith was a f- first-team All-American, finished fourth in the Heisman, was the 2004 Sports Illustrated National Player of the Year, led Utah to its first-ever 12 and 0 season, mm-hmm. had a BCS Bowl victory in the Fiesta. They were ranked fourth in the uh, national ranking. He was the Mountain West Conference Player of the Year, two league titles, and multiple school records. So, and you missed <clears> the most important thing. 
What's that? He was helpful to Patrick Mahomes. He was helpful to Patrick Mahomes, right? Yes. I I think the College Football Hall of Fame uh, should not be based on what you did as a professional. And I think you should separate what they did as a pro versus what they did as a college player. Sometimes Maybe not easy to do. but Not easy to do. No, not easy to do. I feel like it gives icing to the cake. Your professional career. Because I think sometimes you could have guys that are on this list that didn't have great... Like, for instance, I'll just say a guy like Marshawn Lynch, I think he was better in the NFL than he was better for California. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's just, that, that's, to me, that's an example of that. Um, you know, Ken Dorsey, better as a quarterback for Miami than he was ever in the National Football League. No doubt. So, at any rate, that's uh, just kind of some thoughts that I had this morning on uh, Hall of Fame Ballot. This has been the Morning Drive Podcast, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Check out our library of Double T 97.3 podcasts at DoubleT97.3.com.